Welcome everyone to a brand new episode of Tales of the LGBTQ+. My name is Douglas Parsons. It's a Sunday and it is snowed here in Edmonton and so I'm chilled to the bone. I'm not made for this weather even though I have all this extra padding on me. I could be a little grumpy just because winter has hit and I'm not ready. But what I am ready for is today's episode because finally Matt Phillips is able to join me. Usually when I interview people, everything has been quick and easy to set up. But with Matt, everything that could fall apart on my side has happened. And so Matt has been really gracious in just being patient uh, while we get this set up. But now I've got him in this room and I will not let him go until he answers all of my questions. (laughs) The pressure is on him, of course. A little bit about Matt. Matt Phillips is a chef. He is one of the owners of Northern Chicken here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Northern Chicken is damn good food. And the mac and cheese, the Dorito mac and cheese is one of my favorites. But we're not just going to talk about Matt and his business and what has been happening over the past couple of years due to the pandemic. We're also going to talk about his story. Matt is part of our greater 2S LGBTQ plus community. And so we're going to talk about his role within the community, his identity, and when this all really began for him as he got his quote unquote shit together. Now, those are my words, of course. He may have been just born this way and has been smooth and easy with his identity, etc. Let's get to that story later on, though. Before I bring Matt to the screen, I do want to share a couple of things, as always. Tales of the LGBTQ Plus is a weekly video and audio podcast that showcases the remarkable people within our LGBTQ plus community. By listening to our stories, your stories, we gain insight, understanding, and connection. And we connect while being introduced to amazing people and topics. Every week I'm smitten with somebody new, and I know I'm gonna be even more smitten with Matt after today's episode. We are recording this live, so technical hiccups, voice snafus, other unexpected hijinks may happen, and it's very likely that something has happened already. It's a miserable day here in Edmonton, and so the lighting is harsh. Today is one of those days that I do wish that I had started this as an audio podcast only and not have put my face on the screen as many times. I'm suffering today. It's all good. Life is good. If you are listening to us through audio, through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and you've enjoyed the content of today or previous episodes, please leave a starred rating and a comment. This helps with the algorithms. This helps get our voice out there, and it's greatly appreciated. If you are here on YouTube, Don't forget to press subscribe. Make sure that you get alerted when the next episodes arrive as well. Again, greatly appreciated. This is just a love letter podcast to the community 
getting to know everybody, whether they're based here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, the world. Thank you everybody for coming here week after week or sporadically. It's all good. We just appreciate that you listen to our stories. I hope you all support as well. Here in Edmonton, it is important for me to say that I would like to acknowledge that I am on Treaty 6 land, Treaty 6 territory, a traditional meeting place, gathering grounds, and traveling route to the Cree, Salto, Blackfoot, Métis, and Nakota Sioux. I acknowledge all the many First Nations, Métis and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for centuries. I especially want to thank the knowledge keepers and elders who are still with us today and those who have come before us. I'm opening myself to listen and to understand. Through this learning, I hope you join me and we learn the truth together. Matt Phillips is my guest today. Matt is a chef, an owner, a man on a mission. Let's bring him up to the screen and let's begin this conversation. Hello. Matt, welcome to Tales of the LGBTQ+, finally. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Hey, Matt, there's so much that we can talk about with you here today. There's Northern Chicken, which is a renowned business with food. It's been around for five years. We're going to talk about why you brought this forth into the world. The last couple of years with the pandemic has been harsh, but at the same time, Northern Chicken has been doing amazing things. And then, of course, it's your own journey. And how you fit in with the community and how you access everything. So there's so much to talk about. So Matt, let's start by just talking a little bit about yourself and just how do you fit within our greater 2S LGBTQ plus community? Sure. Well, I'm, uh, I'm 38. I was born in Calgary, but grew up in Olds. Um, made a few little stops on the way from Olds to eventually moving to Camrose when I was 14. Uh, my dad did his PhD in Edmonton, so I spent a couple years in elementary school up here um, and then moved back to Olds for middle school. And then in, when I was 14, we moved to Camrose and I lived in Camrose until I was done my first year of university. So I was 19 and then I moved up to Edmonton and I've been here since. Um, I, uh, I was originally planning to be a human rights lawyer. I was very involved in the protest movement and um, the civil rights movement uh, around police brutality and labor rights a lot as a, as a teenager and as an, in my early 20s. And then sort of right at the end of my, uh, my university career of doing a political science and a sociology degree, I discovered the kitchen and, and sort of discovered that that was my passion and it was something I was very good at. And you know, as much as the culture was garbage, I, I liked the, the high pressure environment. I liked sort of a little bit of the lifestyle at that point of, of that and, and just sort of kept moving on in kitchens and sort of walked a little bit away from, from that dream of being a human rights lawyer and decided to be a chef. And, you know, almost 20 years later, here we are. Um, I'm openly bisexual. 
I, uh, I am part of the community that way. I've uh, dated men and women. I, you know, I'm currently dating a, a, a woman, but uh, no, that doesn't doesn't make me any less bisexual than anyone else. So, um, you know, that's something that I'm I'm a huge advocate for is bi rights because there's a lot of bi erasure in the community, and we you know work really hard to try to show that we're part of it, just like everyone else. Um, you know, I'm an avid drag supporter. I, uh, I have a lot of friends in the drag community and a lot of employees in the drag community, so do a lot of work with that. And then, uh, you know, I, I try to devote a huge amount of my time and my energy and my my financial support to to LGBTQ two plus communities because you know, I think that they've been disappropriately you know, sort of hurt by the pandemic. Um, they're already in the margins. They're already sort of the charities and the people that get the least amount of support. And you know, when people's money gets tight that's the first thing that goes is, is charitable donations so yeah it definitely is I know for myself I've cut back on my donations um and just putting more of the grease work in with myself being active rather than my money but the money is needed uh, as well so it's great that you've been part of that um you mentioned being bisexual and I'm a few years older than yourself but when I was growing up even in the community itself, when someone said they were bisexual, it was always said afterwards going, it's just a phase. He or she is just trying things out. And I believed it for the yeah. first few years of my adulthood because I didn't know any better. And so I was like, oh, it's just a phase. Matt would come out as being gay on his own time, but he's, you know, uncomfortable. Is that the way that you grew up as well yeah. with those words? Yeah, yeah, it was very much that. It was very much that you know, when I first started to get into the community. So I came out to a lot of my, my close friends and stuff when I was just after I turned 18, uh, the summer after I turned 18. I'm a January baby, so like 18 and a half. And, uh, you know, actually had a fairly good response. Um, Camrose wasn't the best place to be queer. Um, but you know, most of my close friends and that kind of stuff were were okay with it. But I think they just thought it was a phase. I went off to university at the U of A. I lived in residence. I was somewhat open and about it there. But you know, I I always um, have found myself drawn to dating women. Um, you know, the attraction is there for men, and you know, for lack of TMI, you know, the the physical attraction is, is there. But I've always found myself as far as relationship wise, wanting to be in relationship with, with women. Um, so it just sort of got pushed further and further down as I got more serious with different girlfriends and partners and stuff through college. And then, um, I ended up marrying a woman and, uh, you know, it just sort of disappeared. Um, it was, you know, who I was, I was open about it a bit, but like, I wasn't super active in the community. I was uh, uh, involved in the, the culinary community, which at that point was not a great environment for anybody to be out. Um, you know, it's a very masculine, very, for lack of a, a better word, machismo uh, that like, you know, it's, we're not a Latin, but you know, that Latin sense of masculinity and tough enough. And, you know, you work your 18 hour day and you burn yourself a few times and then you go party and, you know, screw a waitress or whatever and it is what it is so you no know, i just sort of disappeared out of 
out of who I was and I, you know, kept myself, I wouldn't say closeted because it was like, well, some people knew, but, um, I definitely wasn't out if, if that makes sense, like mm -hmm. sort of 50, 50 or 70, 30, I guess. Um, until we opened Northern and then, you know, about a year into, into opening Northern, um, Rob from Evo approached me to do the food for, to do the food for pride when the pride on 103 festival. And I obviously was very excited to be involved in the community and, and get myself out there and do some stuff and, you know, did our first pride event. And by the end of that, I had made the conscious decision that by the following year pride, I was going to be active in the charity and, you know, the community and as a whole, rather than just sort of supporting from the outside and being an ally, it was like, I'm going to go back just a little bit. Uh, Camrose is a city, a small city, about an hour's drive outside of Edmonton. I grew up in Stetler in Botha area, which is a small town and village, another hour away from Camrose. So it's, if you were going to go to a city, Camrose was it for me or Red Deer. So we're not talking big yeah. cities here. And the Rob that was mentioned here is Rob Borowski with Evolution Wonder Lounge, yeah. um, the nightclub here in Edmonton. You'll be able to uh, look back and see Rob on a number of different episodes of Tales of the LGBTQ+, talking about his story as well as his history with drag. That's a little plug that I'm doing in there as well, Matt. Um, and going into this here, you know, when I have a beard, uh, I am part of the bear community, the bear cub community. And I remember five years ago or four years ago when all of a sudden this Matt Phillips just showed up and all the bears were like, wait a minute, he's one of us. Here's this guy with a beard, his shape and all that. And we're like, where's he been hiding all this time? And then we found out more about your story. And because we thought we knew everybody within the city, of course. Yeah. So, so Matt, you mentioned that you were married at that time. Yeah. Was something that you had shared with that with your wife? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I explicitly shared it with her on our second date. And you know, she and I will agree to disagree about whether or not that's true or not. I clearly remember the conversation. Um, and I clearly remember multiple times through it discussing that. But ultimately, she was taken aback quite a bit when I when I publicly came out and when that second pride that we were involved in when I walked in in a bisexual shirt and you know, changed my profile picture to a bisexual flag and sort of just officially started talking about about being out and that kind of stuff and it's not the complete reason my marriage ended but it definitely was was a huge part of it so yeah. and we're still very good friends um I respect that that you know you, you're with somebody for so long and suddenly they have a different part of their identity and it just doesn't work so um you know, I, I'm very blessed for the years I spent with her and you know and as I said we're still friends and we're still very amicable and you know we we walked away when we realized that it, it wasn't working before it, it got bad and you know, I'm very happy for that I'm very happy to still have her as a friend and continue to have her in my life so yeah we I fully believe that we are writing or we are living the greatest story that will never be put down on a um, piece of paper our lives and I know for myself, some of the people in my past, you know, I was together with for a long time. 
they're fantastic chapters within that book that was written. And we acknowledge how great they were as people in our lives. But sometimes that story doesn't get continued into the subsequent chapters of our yep. lives. And that's okay. That's perfectly okay. Yep. So when you walked in that day with that bisexual t-shirt on, were you wearing that with full of confidence, like bursting the doors down again? Or yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I, uh, you know, I, at that point, I'd had a year to sort of think it over and a year to sort of put some of the places, the pieces in, in place. And, you know, I got a, a rather decent community around me that was accepting. And through Northern, we had at that point, and I think we weren't quite at the percentage of staff that was queer as it is now. But uh, I definitely, you know, had surrounded myself with people that I knew were going to support me. And it, it was a pretty easy transition. You know, like, I'm one of those blessed people that has not really gone through a whole heck of a lot because of it. Um, you know, the restaurant itself has a lot of hate. And I've taken a decent amount of hate online from it. But I don't have those, like, losing relationships, losing your family, that kind of stuff that so many people went through. My parents were very accepting of it. Most of my cousins and my aunts and uncles and that kind of stuff have all been super, super supportive. So I'm, I'm very blessed that way. And, you know, it was just sort of, I'm here, I'm me, I'm serving fried chicken at Pride and uh, let's see where this goes. Yeah, and you're kicking ass. You, you really are. It's what Northern Chicken has been able to accomplish in a short period of time is amazing. Um, Northern Chicken, uh, based here in Edmonton, 124th Street. I mentioned the chicken. I mentioned the Dorito mac and cheese. Uh, my love handles. Thank you for all of your support when it comes to that. Exactly. I jiggle with pride. You know, yeah. I have one life to live and I'm going to live it well with good food. What Was Northern Chicken your way of showing exactly who you are or is this just been oh it just happened was like was there a purpose with northern chicken with what you wanted to accomplish both professionally as well as yourself and your identity um yes and no um professionally there was definitely a, a purpose it was it was a very thought out concept around at least when we opened which would has changed substantially from then, but it, you know, that's business, things evolve and life evolves. And as different priorities show up in your life, then that's what you move towards. But um, at the point where Northern Chicken was started, I had been in the restaurant industry for 18 years, no, 16 years at that point. Um, most of my time with either the Joey organization or uh, with Lux Steakhouse. And as I sort of mentioned a little bit earlier, it was that like machismo standard restaurant, watch waiting, watch any of that shit kind of restaurant. Um, you know, there was sexual harassment rampant. There was anger issues rampant. There was substance abuse. There was, you know, sexism, sexual hurt. I said sexual harassment already, but like, you know, that short skirt, you're not dressed well enough kind of, kind of crap. And then having also to wear, having to wear stilettos when yeah. one shouldn't. Yeah, and I uh, I just got tired of that. Um, I got tired of working at places where I didn't want to hang out. And Andrew, my business partner, felt the same. Like, 
and we were both working for Century Hospitality Group, which are you know, great restaurants and that kind of stuff. But it wasn't where we wanted to spend time. It wasn't where our friends wanted to come visit us. Prices were too high. It was a little too snotty. It was, you know, not the music and the vibe that, that people wanted, or that at least our friends wanted to come hang out at. Um, so unfortunately, some stuff happened. Um, I've been always super, super open about my mental health. Um, very active online for probably 12 years about my mental health struggles and, and that kind of stuff. And that rubbed some people the wrong way with my previous employer and uh, some comments were made that sort of were the final straw for me. And you know, I made the decision that it was time to move on and had some money squirreled away. And then luckily um, got some investment from my parents that I'm an only child. And it was sort of a like, well, we can give you this money when we pass or we can give you this money when we're going to be alive to see what you do with it. And they chose to to help me out a little bit with that. So between my savings and and that, we managed to come up with enough money to put Northern Chicken together. Um, went through about eight months of trying to find a space and trying to flush out the concept and that kind of stuff. And all we really knew was that we wanted a place that was you know, great food, take our fine dining training, but turn it into you know comfort food. And I've always had an affinity for fried chicken. so. You know, I knew I wanted to do fried chicken. I knew I wanted it to be hip hop focused and, and that kind of music that really drove us. And we really wanted to go with that like backyard barbecue hangout kind of place. And then to really get rid of the bullshit that is the restaurant industry to, to give people, you know, as, as much as possible two days in a row off together unless they request it. To give everybody benefits, to give everybody at that point a well above minimum wage salary. You know, as minimum wage has gone up and the pandemic where you know, our average wage is only about two bucks over minimum wage now, which isn't great. And it's not something I'm thrilled about, but it is what it is with, <laughs> with the financial situation at the moment. So we try to do all sorts of other perks, you know, make sure that people aren't struggling to eat, make sure that people can come to work and feel exactly like they want to feel. We didn't put a dress code in. We didn't put a like, this is how you answer the phone. This is how you like... There's no isms. There's no every customer leaves happy from Joey or any of that kind of stuff. You know, it was just really let's hire great people and let them do it and, you know, make it so it was a place where the employees were the most important part and that the profit margin still needed to be there because the restaurant still needed to function. But we've always strove to, you know, give as much back to either the community or the employers as humanly possible to keep the restaurant functional. Well, let's talk about your staff. Um, you, we've alluded to it already a little bit. Of your staff who's working there right now, um, is there a percentage that you can give us as to um, who would be part of the LGBTQ2S community? We're at 76% as of this weekend. It's gone down a little bit. We lost um, two employees in the last little bit and have rehired one who's not part of the community, but um, 76% of the staff is, is in the community in some way. That's amazing. That's brilliant. It's, um, especially when you hear about our rainbow community being blocked from entering certain professions or running away from certain professions. And I would imagine, as you just mentioned, um, this area of work being very machismo and, 
uh, not the most inviting, that someone who is a cook, someone who is a waiter, waitress, coming to Northern Chicken would just have a far different experience than if they were elsewhere. That's what we try to do, you know. Um, there's always growing pains and there's always that kind of stuff. And we've definitely had to you know, pull certain staff members off the floor and have very tough conversations with people that came from other restaurants where stuff was acceptable. And it's just not at Northern. So, you know, our goal is to let everybody be themselves, be comfortable being themselves and come exactly who they are. Hmm. Um, you know, pronouns are very important what they feel like dressing like is very important what they do outside of work and whatever way we can support them and to make sure that it's a safe and inclusive environment for not only them but everybody that walks in the door with the exception of like if you don't like that shit, then get out yeah we've definitely had our share of homophobes and stuff like that come in and try to pick fights with us and we just show them the door so yeah. i guess it's not a message of true tolerance because we don't accept intolerance but um there's a limit. And if people go over that, then they rightfully uh, get the pushback or the blowback against them. And yeah, yeah. Um, we're not sitting ducks and we're not just going to bend over and take it in this way. Yeah. You no. know, um, we talked about charity a little bit and there's a very impressive number. You know, again, um, Northern Chicken has been an important part of our rainbow community here in Edmonton for five years. That's a relatively short period of time, but can you talk a little bit about charity and why it's important and what yourself and Northern Chicken have been able to do for our community? Sure. Well, when we originally opened, Andrew and I had made the decision that we were going to strictly support mental health charities. Both of us have been open about our our struggles with mental health. We both, coming out of the restaurant industry, wanted to make that a huge part of what we did. Um, you know, working for the other restaurants to make a charitable donation as the chef doesn't happen as easily as it does when you're the owner. So, you know, we sort of had some charities that we'd built relationships with from the mental health side of things and wanted to bring those over. Um, we, with Paul Schufelt from Workshop and Darren and Sylvia from Chartier and a couple other people helped found a charity called In the Weeds, uh, which is devoted to giving psychological supports to the restaurant industry. Um, we offer $10 counseling for, um, right now we have about the opportunity for about 400 cooks and servers and managers across the city to take it. Unfortunately, it hasn't had a lot of uptick, um, but the options there, the money has been raised. Um, the partners are in place with the, with the psychologists and the psychiatrists to be able to get those people into there. So. You know, that's something we're going to work on in the near future is to figure out how to get that out a little bit more and how to get more people to take advantage of it. But um, so that was really our big focus when we opened was to work within the weeds and to work with some other the mental health charities. And then the more I sort of got involved about 10 months into Northern Chicken, the more I got involved in the, you know, 2S LGBTQ plus community, um, the more I saw that there was a, a huge need in that community for, for support that, it wasn't the sexy fundraising that that I won't say is easy because that's nothing's easy. But you know, it's not as easy as some things like say breast cancer or other other charities like that where it's you know you, you can really just put on an event to make a decent amount of money. That the, the queer community needed a, a specific type of donate or like 
type of fundraising um, and that kind of stuff. And as I said, it was sort of already marginalized. So we really put our focus on there, at least I did. Um, Andrew's still very much with his donations and the, the mental health supports. But, um, you know, we in five years, we've donated over $100,000. I don't know the exact term anymore. Through the pandemic, it was 28900 was the final total from both donations and then money raised from silent auctions where we had given given things. Um, That's incredible. That's it's absolutely incredible. A, a huge amount of money for for a small restaurant. And I know lots of places you know, will give a single $100,000 donation, but those are also billion dollar companies. And Oh, we're a little 21 person, 40 seat restaurant. So um, it's been great. I, I've discovered a lot of lifelong relationships now through working with those groups. It's something that is really, <coughs> excuse me, was, you know, as I said, it was part of the plan when we originally started to, to make sure that we could make donations and do stuff like that. But the last two years, it's really sort of changed inside of me to be a driving force um, to keep Northern Chicken alive so that we can continue to do those things for our employees and our and the charities to you know, wake up in the morning and spend an hour working on that kind of stuff before I start working on Northern Chicken things. Because like I, you know, I've always been that kind of guy that gave money to charities or gave money to the homeless or that kind of stuff, but I've never really been able to do it on a magnitude where it actually makes a difference. And I don't want to say that because like all money makes a difference, but like, you know, there's a substantial difference between Matt Phillips making a $20 donation and Northern chicken making a thousand dollar donation. Absolutely. A lot more can be done with that. And it, it's become you know, a big passion of mine to be able to continue to work with that and to look at different ways of fundraising and different ways of ways that Northern chicken can support. And, you know, and the other side of it is we've become a beloved community member because of it. Yeah. Well, and that's the big thing as well is Northern Chicken was a part of the community uh, since its inception. But since the pandemic, I've noticed from outside looking in, but I see the community going, don't fuck with Matt and don't fuck with Northern Chicken. And we're going to try to put the block around and try to keep this area sh sheltered from the homophobes and the other blowbacks that you were getting the past year. And, and I don't know whether or not you've noticed it or if you've seen that, but I just see when people talk about Northern Chicken, there's there's a lot of love in the person's voice and there's just a lot of, oh, this is identifiably one of ours. And that's huge, especially yeah. in this community. Yeah, it, you know, it fills my heart every day because of that. And it also like, because we've become so identified with it, because I've been so outspoken and so prominent with my identity a little bit, it's it's pushed other people to do that. It's, um, you know, I think in the last year, I've done five case studies slash interview kind of things with community members that are in school thinking about opening restaurants or thinking about opening businesses where we talk about well, being part of the, the community and, you know what the pros and cons of that are and and you know if people can be proud business owners and be out there and it's great it it makes me so happy to have those conversations with people so that they can open a restaurant and and have it or not a restaurant but a business and have it truly be them like yeah something you're working 60 plus hours a week on should be yours 
it should express your personality. I, you know, we, we fight with people all the time and this is a little off topic, but we fight with people all the time that tell us that we should keep our mouth shut and that we should just serve chicken or we should just, you know, nobody cares that I'm by, they just care that the chicken's good. But at the end of the day, I'm spending 60 plus hours of my week on this restaurant. I put my entire life savings into it. Why isn't it me? Why isn't it Andrew? Why aren't we outspoken? We're part of the community. We're paying taxes. We're, you know, there. So why don't we have a political opinion? Why does it need to be hidden? Why do like why do our stance on human rights have to be put away just so that like some jackass can come in and get chicken that doesn't agree with us? Like, yeah. I don't want yeah. your money anyways. Then I guess like I've said it a number of different times on episodes previous. There was the AIDS activist group ACT UP. And their motto was silence equals death. And I'm fully on board with everything you're saying, Matt, because if you're not yourself, if you're not outspoken, if you're not speaking up, then that silence is going to be the death of your business. It's going to be the death of you, your identity, everything. And so speak up, speak loud. And this brings me into another part of this. The past year you could have just shut up and just served chicken but you didn't and when it came to your site um making sure people were vaccinated and can you tell everybody a little bit about that with some of the policies that were put in place that got noticed by quote unquote other people well um since covid started in march of, of 2020 um, we closed five days earlier than the government told us we had to, because the staff was starting to get scared and we were starting to get scared and blessedly our food transfers very well to take out and delivery. And, and that's, you know, was a huge part of it. We had that privilege that we knew we could shut down and not lose the business. Um, but it was also just, it, it was the right thing to do. Our, our staff needs to feel safe. And unfortunately I have a tremendous, I shouldn't say, I, we have a tremendous amount of um, immunocompromised and, and that kind of stuff, people that are, that are employed by us and their safety has never been more important and the community's safety has never been more important. So we shut down early. We moved immediately to, to take out and delivery and really pushed. Everyone was outside. We opened the front window so that there was no, no possibility of people coming in that kind of stuff and, and really pushed through that. And, and did everything we could that way and then when that first wave ended and we were allowed to reopen in in the summer we we chose not to for almost six weeks and then when we did open we only opened for two hours a day um, with three tables and kept it very very small um, we had some employees that weren't comfortable so we, we switched their schedules to the nights only so that they weren't impacted by that in any way um, and then as things got worse around thanksgiving 2020 we shut down again the government didn't make that decision until the middle of november but we were done i think it was november 26th or october 26th we decided to shut her down um and i and we publicized that we said that we didn't agree with what the government was doing and that we were making that step and the media took notice and anytime now that the media takes notice in you those jackasses on the comment threads and and people decided to make it their business so we got attacked and you know, we we just said that you know, our staff and the community was more important than money. Mm-hmm. 
So when we went through that, we didn't reopen until August. What was it? August 3rd of 2021. We, so we stayed 10 shuttered. months, 10 months we later. Stu shuttered for all indoor dining um, and just kept it like that. And when we did reopen, we went Vax only right off the bat. And, you know, when the mask bylaw were relaxed, we didn't relax our mask bylaw. We didn't do anything that would put the safety of the staff in jeopardy. And it's something that we've kept up and you know, we take a lot of hate. I wake up to being called a Nazi almost every morning. Yeah, yesterday, I, I, I got screamed at at the door yesterday by somebody who you know, had one vaccine, but didn't have their ID and didn't have their second one, which is against the law. And you know, ultimately, I'm not going to risk the business to not enforce the law. Um, so we turned them away, and the, the guy had lots of words for me. But screw him. Yeah, you did the right thing. I will never understand how you could be compared to a Nazi, or this is Nazism, when it comes to everything that you have done. I just don't get it. When people throw out Nazi at one in one breath and then we'll shout out socialism in the other breath. It's like, these are completely opposite things. Yeah. Like pick a lane people. And you know, it just, uh, the stupidity of people. And I go back to my days of teaching junior high and high school. And I apologize that I didn't teach as well as I should have because <laughs> this pandemic has brought out a lot of dumb thoughts that just, oh drive me crazy it's, but it's insane yeah and matt when I mean, you were talking i it just went through my head that all of your decisions are employee based and it's about your employees and their needs and their wishes rather than well, possible yeah i i that's just so counter compared to what you're taught in business school or just what you see elsewhere. Um, what have been some of the comments from your employees uh, during the past two years? Well, they've been very thankful that that we've made the decisions and that we've kept them safe and that we kept all those employee you know, perks for lack of, I don't want to say perks, they shouldn't be perks. When you work mm -hmm. in a restaurant, you should be fed. You should have benefits. Like that's just, it is what it is. It, that's what they should be. So I shouldn't say perks, but we kept all of those things. Even when the finance has been the absolute tightest and there's been many months when Andrew and I haven't been paid lately. Um, but making sure that those benefits and that kind of stuff is still there, that we still can throw a staff party, that we can still give them a free drink and a free meal and you know help them out with whatever charitable thing they're doing that's outside of Northern Chicken. If somebody's throwing a drag brunch or doing a run or a walk, making sure that that money is, is there for them. And then also just like, I think the employees have been very, very thankful that we'll just stand up and tell people to fuck off. Yeah. You know, they don't they don't have to be the to worry about if they're upset because somebody isn't wearing a mask or isn't vaccinated that they're gonna get blowback from their bosses because we're gonna be right there as much as possible. <laughs> exactly. You're at the front line, you're at you're at that front window and door and making sure that things are done your way and it's the proper way. Talking about charity, let's talk about something that's taking place 
uh, with you as well as Northern Chicken this month. I'm gonna bring this up to on our screen so our people watching on YouTube are able to see the information. I'll be sure to say this out loud for our audio listeners as well. The 2022 Balls, Boobs and Beer Calendar Launch Party is going to be taking place on November 19th at Northern Chicken, 124th Street here in Edmonton, beginning at 6 p.m. and going till late. Till late is basically until Matt just kicks you out the door. And with this, all funds supporting each and every harm reduction. So Matt, tell us all about the 2022 Balls, Boobs and Beer Calendar Launch Party. So this is the second year we've done the balls, beers, or balls, boobs, and beer calendar. Um, my friend who owns Exhale Brewing in Calgary, Christina, uh, this has been her passion project. Last year, it supported Movember and um, Alberta Cancer. And then this year, Christina's gotten very involved with each and every as it started in January, um, which is a, a collection of businesses pushing harm reduction um, in Alberta, there's now 160 some businesses part of it, and you know, we're putting pressure on the government, and we're putting pressure on you know individuals to to believe that harm reduction does the good that it does. That having no alone in every business, that having trained people to deal with drug poisonings are are out there. That you know safe consumption sites are are, are not only accessible but funded well by government and um, Raft Labs, which is a a beer um laboratory and, and test site to be able to test for quality control issues and yeast samples and that kind of stuff um yuan who who owns that he this is his passion project and christina is on the board and and brought me in and uh what's the second second year of the calendar the first one was great um, we sold almost 500 of them um with all the all the proceeds then going to as i said november and alberta cancer and then this year we expanded it even further um i think there's another 10 people in the photos than there were the year before um mostly in the craft beer world um, which is something that northern chicken uh, we haven't really discussed at all but it is also hugely involved in um so the the photos are taken at different craft beer venues across alberta um, my photos are in a really cool little liquor store in in canmore called the beer den um some of northern chicken staff was done at northern chicken um, and then there's some other breweries and that kind of stuff in there and it's just a you know a way for for guys that look like me and girls that look the way that they want to look and, and thems that look the way they want to look to get somewhat naked and take a fun calendar and raise a bunch of money and play around with beer a little bit and like the shots are cool you'll have to see it but like the the way that, that ryan the photographer shot a lot of things to bring the beer element in it is awesome so very um, boudoir. The, sorry very boudoir yeah yeah type pictures yeah, and that's that's where his his um, his background is. He he runs Live Free Photography, which is a, a boudoir photographer out of Calgary, um, and he he brought that expertise to to doing these photos the last two years. In which month are you? Uh, I am March this year. Excellent. Last year I was January, May, and December. Oh, and, so, you've, and, so you've been cut back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we we got way more people involved this year, so. Less Maddie, more everyone else, but uh, I think that's fine for everybody. That's There's good. Great photos in there. Well, let um, me so just. Party in Calgary is on 
I believe, Wednesday night at Freehouse. Um, the launch party for Edmonton is on Friday night at Northern. Uh, Christina will be there. Uh, we're going to do, you know, beer specials on, on her brewery's brand, which is Exhale Brewing, which is an awesome uh, LGBTQ2 plus owned business who takes a huge amount of political risk with their beers. Um, their first beer was called Impeachable and had a big picture of Trump on it. Um, it was a peach ale. Um, you know, Christina and I get along so very well because we're both just outspoken. Our brands are who we are as a person, and we take the risks to just put it out there and believe that everything's political. And, you know, she's absolutely amazing woman. Um, one of Northern Chicken's employees does all the graphics and is now a co-owner of it. So the sort of the synergy works really well to do stuff at Northern. And... Uh, yeah, so we'll do six dollar beers and five dollar mini sandwiches, and try to sign, sign and sell as many of these calendars as we possibly can on Friday, and then you know, we'll have the rest to sell at Northern and, and online after that. Perfect. Well, let's it's just great give fun. It's fun. It takes a bunch of people out of their comfort level. Like I'd never done professional nude photography until last year. Um, I think a lot of the people were in the same boat, and it, you know, it was fun. It's great. It got you me out. Yeah, it, it, and it pushed me to actually do a, you know, a doudoir photography set on my own uh, last December because I was so comfortable with this photography. I, I went out and booked my own and, and got some awesome photos that I've been having fun sharing. Yeah. Loving your body, loving yourself is one of the most difficult things to um, do, to have taken place. And if you get to the point where you're able to accept your body and yourself, then do what you would like because and sell and celebrate whenever possible um we have here on our screen for our youtube uh, viewers i'm going to say this for our audio the calendar which is the 2022 balls boobs and beer calendar it goes to support each and every dot org the website www.eachandevery.org We'll make sure that we put these links um, with this podcast in the show notes, wherever we are advertising this episode itself. Uh, you've mentioned a few times, Matt, about yourself being outspoken and talkative. Um, Matt can be found on Instagram, his handle at interrupt. On Twitter, Chef M. Phillips on Twitter. And we'll make mention of Northern Chicken Yeg, Y-E-G. That's the handle on both Instagram and Twitter. That's North Chicken Yeg on Instagram and Twitter. Hey, Matt, let's, we've touched upon the mental health part, and let's find time now to do that. Um, over the last five, six years, I've been very outspoken on my depression and my anxiety that I receive. And I'm always surprised when people praise me for that because I'm just stating a fact. But then I re I've realized that people don't talk about mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And when this pandemic came around, I was ready for this because <laughs> um, I didn't really change my life at all, um, simply because anxiety keeps me inside uh at times and for myself my anxiety the adrenaline overflows my nervous system and it doesn't shut off 
And so it's 24 seven of fight or flight. And it used to be months before I could get rid of any of that sensation of, oh my gosh, something's going to happen. I can now relax myself down to three weeks. I can bring myself out of it now, but it's still three weeks of hell and that negative thought loop that goes in and around. Medications help me. Realizing things about myself has helped me. What has helped you when it has come to you and your mental health? Well, I was diagnosed with, my diagnosis has changed a few times, but I originally diagnosed with bipolar disorder when I was 14. Um, that's since been changed to just major depressive disorder and general anxiety disorder, um, the sort of manic side of the, the bipolar dis disorder disappeared uh, in my teens. Um, and I, you know, once again, talking about my parents, I was very blessed that I had two parents that were very in touch with with their mental health and that were very quick to get me into therapy. Um, it took a few shots to get a therapist that, that worked, but um, I, I spent my entire teenage years until, until I was 19 in therapy uh, with a lovely therapist in cameras. We had me medicated by 16. Um, and you know, that, that's been really, really great. Learning sort of what some of my triggers are, um, learning to control I, I have suicidal idolation every day. Um, I have every day since I was 14. I, I don't think I can remember a day where the thought hasn't crossed my mind at some point. And most of the time, it's a, it's a fleeting thought of like, oh, I could just slam into this post or, or something like that. But, you know, the thought is still intrusive enough that it's there. Um, well, there's definitely been attempts when I was a little younger and didn't have things in control. But... Now I'm on, on two medications. I see a therapist weekly. I have seen a therapist weekly for almost two years. Um, before that, I was seeing a different, I was actually seeing two therapists before that. I, I have a very severe needle phobia, um, like very severe. I broke my femur when I was 18 and they tried to put the IV in my arm and I, I kicked the nurse with my broken femur and cut my artery and blood went everywhere and I died. Um, so about 32, I decided I needed to take that under control and, and did two years of exposure therapy um, with a great doctor in downtown Edmonton that got me to the point where I can get injections and blood work and stuff done now. Um, but at that point, I was seeing two therapists once a week um, for just over two years. So um, that's been very important. Uh, finding a therapist that, that jives with me has been really, really good. Um, staying in touch with my medication and my family doctor about that. I, I'm keep going back to the fact that I'm very blessed and I'm very privileged about the fact that I, I have a great family doctor. I have a great psychologist. I have a great psychiatrist. I have benefits from work that cover these things. And, and you know, I've managed to keep things very much under control because of that. And with the support of my parents who, who have you know, had my back on, on times when I couldn't afford therapy or something like that, they've stepped in and and made it more reasonable for me to be able to keep doing weekly therapy. Um, I journal a lot. I um, <laughs> Lately, I haven't, but I spend a lot of time decompressing when I can um, at the end of my third 60 plus hour week in a row today. So um, I can't say I've been doing very well at some of these coping mechanisms, but at least in those years of therapy, I've developed them um, and sort of figured out what works for me and, and what doesn't. And the exception of, you know, some 
random stuff that happens that you're not expecting. I, I can keep it to sort of a point where I'm just numb most of the time and I can keep the, the negative thoughts to somewhat controlled. Mm-hmm. And being numb is fine. Yeah, I, I don't think, fine. You know, I've been happy in years. I don't, I don't think there's been bursts of happiness, but you know, I, I've almost just come to the point where I think that's how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's a chemical imbalance in my brain, and it, I don't think that's you know, I've been on like fourteen or fifteen medications in my life, and none of them have really worked. To the point where I'm back to like being a happy-go-lucky that kind of stuff guy, but you know I'm comfortable with where I am now, and I'm you know living life to the fullest like this. Yeah, you're living life as a business owner, as an activist. You're in a great relationship uh, at the moment, so you're experiencing love and sharing love and it's great it's fantastic and i know that there's going to be people who are listening and we've got two guys here in their 30s and 40s talking about mental health their mental health and it's so important that as guys that we talk and it's important to say hey this is who we are and we can be successful and we can be loved and we can love others despite this imbalance that we're born with yep. and it's important uh, also for people who are listening to reach out and there are uh, people in your place whether you're in Edmonton Red Deer Calgary your small town there's people who are trained to help yep. and they will work with you until you find something that is right for you the first time is likely not going to work if you can find it that first time oh fantastic but you have to you have to realize this is a lifelong journey good lord to work out every day yeah good lord that lifelong journey is so much better because of it how has um yourself dealing with the mental health um quote unquote issues how has that helped you uh, in dealing with the pandemic that we've it's been experiencing with the last couple of years. Um, no, I, I already lived in that world of being in high anxiety and high stress and, and that kind of stuff and isolating and isolating myself. Um, so it was, it was a little easier. I, I also was blessed that um, I, I got to hire a lot of my friends. So you know, I've got to go to work and see call it 23, 24 people. I don't know. depends on when in the pandemic we're talking about, but a huge percentage of those were, were people that I loved and that I cared about a lot. They were, they were my friends. So it helped that I didn't have that same isolation that a lot of people went through. I didn't get stuck working at home. I, I was able to continue to, to live a little bit of a normal life by going to work and at least, you know, yeah, there's a boss employee relationship. Yeah. There's some other stuff, but you, you're still seeing people that you care about. Um, so that's been good. Yeah. You know, I just, I've been used to being a little bit of an introvert as, as extroverted as I am and doing things like this and, and when I have to, but I also like, I went to a drag show on Friday and said like six words because I just, yeah. I didn't, I didn't have it in me. I, I wanted to support. It was a great cause. Um, I had lots of friends that were involved in it, but I just, I didn't have it in me to be able to talk to anybody or do anything. So I went and hid in a corner and supported and then left. 
Are you talking about the fur to fab? Yeah. Perfect. I'll make mention of this Evolution Wonder Lounge in Edmonton, as well as Fab Fellowship of Alberta Bears. They have an annual contest where they bring five or six bears, bearded gentlemen like ourselves, um, and put them into drag for the first time with a drag mother, and they perform for as part of a contest. It's it's raises money. It's just a fantastic situation where you have some stocky, pleasantly plump people trying to walk in a pair of pumps, which uh, can be fun to watch in itself. So it's great that you were able to go there. I wanted to go. I couldn't get out of the house. I could not get through the door. My anxiety had set myself off. I'm able to do outside activities like my pride corner on white yeah. but put me into a space with four walls closed in i'm having an issue still i'm working yeah. on that though but it's we're talking about this because others are going to listen and go i know what you're talking about yeah. hey matt you were talking about the charity before and harm reduction and i giggled a little bit inside because you talked about your fear of needles and then with harm reduction, they hand out needles to people uh, with it. And in a previous episode, I had Jocelyn LaPointe and Ashley Allen, who talked about how harm reduction saves lives. Mm -hmm. And I've always believed that. And I get pissed off and so fucking angry at this provincial government who shuts down these safe consumption sites. Um, Ashley, and then we're talking about how when the borders were closed the pure heroin or the pure drugs weren't able to get over the border and so because of that people who have addiction are making their own and they're making their drugs in a lethal way uh which is causing huge issues why is it important for you you've talked about you being outspoken for mental health LGBTQ plus uh, rainbow communities. Why is harm reduction also important for you to talk about? Well, it's, there's a few points with that one. One, um, I grew up in the rave scene uh, from when I was like 14 uh, until I was about 20. I was very involved in the rave scene. I helped throw a bunch of parties. But I also was really active with a group called Rave Safe. Um, so I think I saw growing up the direct benefits of harm reduction the direct benefits of us being at parties testing pills in front of people and being like don't take that like no i, I remember one party that we there's a, a batch of pma that went through edmonton which is a, a ecstasy derivative and a, a bunch of pills have been cut with it. it it spikes your body temperature to about 104 103 so like pretty much anybody that takes it if you if you don't figure out how to deal with it very quickly, you, you, you're going to cook yourself. You go into a fever and you die. And there was a, a very famous rave called Ascension um, that Bill Smith happened to go to. And right after Bill Smith walked in, nine different people collapsed from PMA poisoning. Um, and media blew it up as, as ecstasy poisoning, which is, is impossible. But that's a different rant. Um, so I, I like it's been a, a huge part of my life for, for a long time. And then in my twenties, as I got involved in the, the restaurant community and that kind of stuff, that, that part really sort of fell off. I, I worked too much. I, I got 
you know, way too focused on that kind of stuff and on my marriage and sort of didn't. And then now that I, the rise of opiates and the rise of, of that kind of stuff sort of happened around the same sort of end of my time at Locks, beginning of my time at Northern Chicken. And it, it just started to hit home really closely that we need to be advocating for this. We need to be out there that, you know, everything that we just talked about that, I, that I'm an advocate for all comes together in, in an intersection at harm reduction. Like the queer community has such a, a huge problem with substance abuse. The restaurant industry has a huge problem with substance abuse. All of that comes to mental health. You know, you know you're, most people aren't abusing substances because their mental health is good. There might be a few people out there, but you know, you don't generally become an addict because your life is good and because things have been taken care of. So when we can start working backwards and, and getting them safe places to deal with, with what needs to happen and doing proper drug tests and making sure that the supply on the street is safe and that they're not being treated as criminal criminals, then we can work backwards and work into the mental health system and, and figure out why people are turning to these. Well, there's definitely lots of people on opiates on the streets that are because of, of overprescription and that kind of stuff. But there's also people that just go out and are, are having a hard time and they, they get something and, and then they get hooked. Yeah. You know, um, I, I smoke cigarettes, I drink coffee, I smoke weed, I drink. Um, I've been lucky that in my dabbling with narcotics in my life that I, I've never become an addict. But um, you know, I definitely could, could see how it happened. Oh, absolutely. I friends that, that did, you know, I, I was in the rave scene for, for so long as a kid that I saw lots of people. That was when methamphetamine really got, you know, 2001 was sort of when meth really spiked big for the first time in Edmonton. And I, I watched so many of my friends go down that road. Um, I, it's just important and it's hypocritical. Like I own a restaurant. I make part of my living selling beer to people. I run a consumption site. Like, and yeah. the government's fine with that. You know, we, we now have places you can go smoke marijuana. The coffee shops are huge business. Like, why do we make this decision that certain drugs are not okay and certain drugs are? And, you know, the, the more we can work towards it, the more that, that industry can put pressure on things and that people can put pressure on things and maybe we'll start to see the light and maybe we can start to take some of the models that are involved in some of the European countries and, and we'll actually take some action on this and stop all these people from dying and getting very, very sick. Yeah. And I'm just so proud that the community has someone like yourself who understands, who is outspoken and looking in those nooks and crannies, finding places uh, where we need to shed light. And it's so important. And so, Matt, I'm just so thrilled that you're here doing this um, and not I'm I'm saying this and you know this as well. The community loves you because of this. Uh, speaking about love, we've talked about love of chicken, love of activism, love of many things. Um, you're currently not at your normal computer site at home. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the person uh, who has who owns that computer that you're at? So I'm with a very lovely woman um who's been the absolute best partner i could i could ever ask for she loves me for me she pushes me to be more me she you know is beside me at every event that she possibly can be well, she's she's an ally to the 
to the LGBTQ2S plus community. She's an ally to the mental health community. She's become an ally to the restaurant community. Um, and, you know, she she's just an absolutely amazing woman who's who's done so much um, for me and for other people. And she also works in a, in a rather selfless industry. Um, she's an emergency manager for the government. So you know, she's the one planning evacuations and planning, you know, how they're going to deal with your fridge when you've been evacuated from Fort McMurray and you had to leave everything. She makes sure that the, the place is safe for you to come back. There's a tornado or an active shooter and you get that alert on your phone and you're annoyed by it. There's still somebody at the back that's that's there that cares about you and that's shooting that out so you know what's going on. And um, it's been absolutely amazing to be with someone like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's she's she's wonderful. And it's something that I never really thought that I'd get to get to experience. And you know, it, it's great. She, loves that I'm bisexual. She loves everything about me. So and you deserve it. You deserve this love, Matt. And that's, it's hard to accept. I know it took me forever to accept it, but you absolutely are deserving of all the good that's coming towards you. Um, of course, there's some negative in there because there are some really stupid people out there, but um, they're not worthy of our attention, especially no. not tonight. Uh, we're coming to the end of our time together, Matt. Um, I want to bring everyone's attention to the official Northern Chicken website, www.northchickenyeg.com. There you'll find the specialty chicken. I won't ask you how you make it because people need to come down and taste it. It has my favorite mac, uh, Dorito mac and cheese. There's all these specialty craft beers. What's your favorite item on the menu, Matt? We just put biscuits on the menu, oh. um, which we've only done for brunch previously. And I've been eating a lot of those in the last two weeks since we put them on the menu. Um, I love the Dorito Mac. Um, the hot chicken is, is really good. I dabbled in the we're not fucking around chicken once a week just because I got to make sure they're making it right. Mm -hmm. um that's an experience if you can handle hot stuff it's an experience unlike anything anyone has probably ever eaten the endorphins that kick in and the feeling after you eat that is is pretty incredible but it does wreak havoc on your digestive system so you know fire okay. beware okay that's there's nothing wrong with that yeah we're not talking about chicken that um is plain uh without spices we're talking about some well-breaded food what is that dog doing? What is the dog? Let's name the dog. Well, we have three dogs. Um, I have a Dachshund Shih Tzu that I brought to the relationship, whose name is Basil. Um, he is 12 and a half and has congestive heart failure. So we're just sort of living up the last few months of his life as good as he can. But uh, the, the vet actually last week told us that we'd probably get another six months that we weren't expecting with him. So that's mm -hmm. amazing. And then Megan had two dogs. She had a, a schnoodle named Riley and a Bernadoodle named Rookie that we've you know made our little family of. And they're a little pack and they just love each other. And uh, I wish I could bring them on camera, but they're downstairs. Yes, exactly. And people who've been watching previous episodes of this understand that I have one cat who loves knocking down my camera in the middle of very important conversations. Um, and... Uh, not today, though, thankfully, but now that I've 
mention it, it will probably be coming, sniffing around, wanting to cause havoc. Again, 2022 Balls, Boobs, and Beer Calendar launch party is taking place very soon. It will be um, the day that this airs, actually. Yeah. You watch this and you're not doing anything? Come down to Northern Chicken. Come and watch. Yeah, Northern, uh, Northern Chicken, November 19th, 6 p.m. till late. All funds uh, will go towards um, each and every harm reduction. Um, if you're not coming down that night, Northern Chicken's going to have some calendars on sale afterwards. Uh, we'll make sure that we give that information to everybody. And the calendar itself goes to support eachandevery.org. That's www.eachandevery.org. Matt, you get the last word here tonight. We've talked a little bit about Matt Phillips. We've talked a little bit about Northern Chicken. At the end of the day, what do you want people to know about you? Everything's political. Believe in yourself and say what you need to say and stand up for who you are at all times. And, uh, you know, if people are going to hate you, they're going to hate you. But more people are going to love you for being you than are going to hate you. And at the end of the day, that's what makes life worth living. Amen on that. Amen. Can't end it any better than that, my friend. So on behalf of Matt Phillips, my name is... <laughs> You've been listening to Tales of the LGBTQ+. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube. Be sure to send some starred reviews and comments on the audio sites. All's appreciative. Reminding everyone to be good and always text when you get home. Until next time, everybody. Thanks for having me. <laughs>